At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. of the nightcap here on VSIN from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas alongside Adam Burke. I am Tim Murray. We'll get to a little college football later on in the show. Uh, we will continue to uh, to chat about our college football betting guy that is out. And as Adam uh, mentioned in the first hour, NFL betting guy will be out in the next couple of weeks. So uh, jump in now, get in uh, on all of our insights uh, that, uh, that we'll have for you across the the network as football season is approaching, and obviously we have a preseason game tomorrow. Before we jump into the New York football Jets, a final in Pittsburgh, and for a second consecutive day, the Brewers blew a lead to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and tonight the Pirates, a walk-off shot from, uh, who was it, Brian Reynolds to right center, no doubter, and that came off of... Devin Williams, so the guy that they have handed over the reins to to be the closer. Wasn't a blown save, but it was a loss. And uh, I would imagine Brewer Faithful right now can't be feeling super with uh, with the moves that were made at the deadline and Devin Williams stepping in and giving up a walk-off homer in the first batter they face in the ninth tonight. I can't stop thinking about that ball O'Neill Cruz hit. I just, I mean, that was one of those moments where your eyes kind of pop out of your head, and what a what a tremendous talent. By the way, A's Angels, Shohei Otani, four innings, an unearned run, two hits, six strikeouts, and the Angels are losing one nothing through four. So the more things uh, change, the more they stay the same for Los Angeles Angels. That certainly, uh, that certainly is the case. Uh, the uh, Padres, though, with their new acquisitions, we mentioned it uh, to start the show. Brandon Jewry uh, hitting a grand slam in the first inning. They lead five to one. That one in the uh, in the bottom of the fourth. But the uh, yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers have dropped two in a row here to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Led three to nothing in the top of the six, and then gave that up yesterday. All five in the bottom of the six, and here tonight uh, blew a lead tied the game up, and then give up a walk-off homer. Uh, Devin Williams, the guilty party there as the Brewers fall to the Pittsburgh Pirates by a final of 8-7. to seven. Uh, The Cardinals tonight were rained out, so at this moment in time, 
uh, the Cardinals a game and a half back in the division. I know we're going to do football here, but real quickly, Adam, when you look at the NL Central, uh, the Cardinals made a couple moves. They you know, bring in depth in, in the pitching, uh, pitching-wise. Still don't really fully understand that move by the Yankees, getting rid of Jordan Montgomery. But when you look at the Cardinals now being just a game and a half back, would you look into the Cardinals potentially to come back and win this division? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, you know, I, I still think ultimately that the Brewers win it, but with the Cardinals and, and where they are and adding to this starting rotation and, you know, now, I mean, look, what they've done up until this point, they didn't have Nolan Gorman for all of it. You know, he's obviously a guy that's made a pretty significant impact. Goldschmidt and Arenado continue to play really, really well. The back end of the bullpen is very solid for St. Louis as well. I think from a betting standpoint, I would never touch the Brewers here. I don't know if the value is great on the Cardinals, but you know, look, the head-to-head meetings probably end up deciding that. And you know, that was one of the reasons why I liked Milwaukee in this division, especially you know as the season went along, because the Cardinals are better against lefties, but they're going to run into Woodruff and Burns and now Peralta coming back here tonight. Uh, we'll see if you know Adrian Hauser gets some more starts. But you know, really, it's just the the one lefty in Lauer for the Brewers that doesn't really match up super well with the Cardinals, but you know, the Brewers are uh, they got off to such a nice start, and they've been really pedestrian for a while now. Yeah, and uh, actually played well out of the break, and now uh, have come back down to earth with uh, back-to-back losses to the Pirates. So uh, a walk-off loss tonight for the Milwaukee Brewers. All right, we have been continuing to preview teams in our summer conditioning uh, segments here on the Nightcap, and we're Looking at the AFC East, we started with the Buffalo Bills, and last night it was the Miami Dolphins. Now, maybe the cellar dweller, maybe they surprise, but the New York Jets, win total sitting at 5.5 to make the playoffs a lofty 7-1 to one at DraftKings. To miss the playoffs, well, you got to pay a price, minus 1100 Win the AFC East 22-1, to one, which would be quite the stunner. Win the AFC 75-1. to one. And to win the Super Bowl, 130 to 1. Um, this schedule is not pleasant out of the shoot for the New York Jets. Home to the Ravens at the Browns, which I guess now that <laughs> looks a little better. At the Bengals, or home to the Bengals at the Steelers. So they play the entire AFC North out of the out of the shoot. Then it's the Dolphins at home, at the Packers, at the Broncos, home to the Patriots before they play the Buffalo Bills in week number nine. Uh, Based off of season win totals, uh, they have the 27th easiest schedule. So flip that. uh, Only five teams, Adam, have a more challenging schedule in 2022 than the Jets. It is year two for Robert Sala. What are your expectations of this Jets team in 2022? Well, I kind of wonder if if maybe the Jets will sort of be a Detroit Lions-esque team where they don't win a whole lot of games, but they wind up covering at a pretty high rate. Because, look, I mean, this is a team that's going to be a pretty significant underdog in eight, maybe nine of their games here. And as you mentioned, a very tough schedule. And something else, too, not a great rest differential for them. I know we talked mm-hmm. about that yesterday a little bit with um, with Miami. Yeah. But, or no, it was two days ago with Buffalo, actually, right? Well, Buffalo has the best rest differential right. in the entire league uh, where they face no teams coming off of a bye 
and uh, really they're only a handful of games that they have an issue with. Uh, so yeah, Buffalo plus 12 in the rest differential, and then you look at the bottom half, as you mentioned, uh, the Jets in that rest differ- uh, differential, uh, they're at minus 8 uh, so not uh, one of the worst in uh, in yeah rest differentials in the league. So and I think the Jets are are pretty fascinating in terms of they've got a lot of talent at the skill positions. I mean they pick up Brees Hall who was a phenomenal college running back at Iowa State. Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson look to be their top three wide receivers here. Health of course, you know, maybe a little bit of a question. You worry a little bit about their depth behind those guys at wide receiver, but. Now, this offensive line, too, it, it's got some recent first-round picks on it. Mm-hmm. So you wonder, you know, will those guys start playing to their potential a little bit? It does seem like the coaching has improved with Robert Sala there. But, again, the schedule is very challenging. So, to me, I think this is a team that could be pretty good from an ATS standpoint. But in terms of actual wins and losses, I, I wouldn't have high hopes for the Jets this year. Yeah, to your point about the offensive line, last year, remember, they traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC uh, in the mid-first round, they have Mekhi Becton at the right side, even though thought for a good chunk maybe they'd be trading Mekhi Becton. He's still on the roster. And and then you look at what they did this year in the draft. Uh, they were applauded quite heavily uh, for for their uh, NF, their draft this year. They had three, ended up with three first-round picks because they traded back in uh, to get Jermaine Johnson. So you've got Garrett Wilson out wide. You've got Elijah Moore, who was a second-round pick out of Ole Miss just a year ago. Corey Davis. Uh, on that roster, then you look at they got Sauce Gardner uh, in the top ten uh, this year, and then uh, and Jermaine Johnson, as mentioned, uh, they traded back into the first round to get Jermaine Johnson, who was uh, dropping on uh, on draft night, and uh, ultimately he was selected there. So yeah, they they certainly have some intriguing talent, a lot of young talent. Um, it, it and it, it all kind of comes down to this, and and today was kind of one of those weird days where there's a lot of praise on Twitter about Joe Flacco, which I was trying to understand. Um, how good is Zach Wilson? You know, what is he going to take a step forward? Is he going to look like the second overall pick? You know, we it's fair to have criticism and questions about Trevor Lawrence, right? But I think he gets a bit of a pass because he had a moron as a head coach last year. Zach Wilson, I think there's there's a lot of questions about okay. You know, he was, you know, the Jets kind of fell in love with him and just grabbed him there, too. And and now we're, we're wondering, you know, what is he? You know, Sean is is not a big believer in Zach Wilson. I wouldn't say this is a make-or-break year. I think that's way too early. But I, I got to see something, Adam, from, from Zach Wilson this year. And, and you know, and then maybe it is a team that you do as the year goes on, as you pointed out, look to bet on, uh, on a on a game to game basis, yeah. And look, I mean, this was a team that was minus thirteen in interception differential last year. They're minus thirteen in turnover margin. All of that coming from interceptions, and and Wilson had eleven of those in his thirteen games to go against nine touchdown passes. And this is sort of a similar situation what we talked about yesterday with Miami, where you know obviously two was a guy that is is thought of in higher regard, I would say, than Zach Wilson, but. Both guys have a ton of talent around them now. You know, Miami improved their offensive line. The Jets' offensive line should improve just simply by some of their first-round picks maturing a little bit. This is a year where it's not a make-or-break year for Wilson Mm -hmm. by any means, but he has to show improvement. He has to show a certain level of competency at the position because they have a good running game, at least on paper you would think with Brees Hall and then Michael Carter is a pretty solid backup running back. 
They have a lot of talent at wide receiver. They've got a guy in Garrett Wilson that can get open down the field. They have a lot of pieces and parts around Wilson. Not, I don't want to say to set him up for success because success is maybe a bit of a big leap, but to at least look a lot better than he did. Yeah, and I want to get into some of these player props. John Yastrzemski from uh, from New York, the New York, New York podcast, friend of the program. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour, so we'll get his thoughts on this Jets team. But they're, I, I think they're one of those teams, and I, I know there's been some bets flying in you know, on the Jets. You know, Zach Wilson win MVP. Look, that, that's not happening. But could this team, Adam, improve as the year goes on with a competent coach, we believe, in Robert Sala? Um, you know, Mike Sando, I'm going to read some of the quotes that he got for his tiered uh, quarterbacks piece on The Athletic. There's some people who still believe that Zach Wilson's got some talent. Now with those pieces around him, maybe he can thrive. More on the Jets next here on the Nightcap. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Well, speaking of soccer, we got uh, Club America going up against LAFC. Club America was just in Las Vegas. I think they were playing uh, at a Legion against... Someone from Europe, not a big soccer guy. If you can, if you can't pick Where up, am I? There, Adam, was that Chelsea? I think <laughs> that was might here? have been. That's, I don't know. There was a bunch of them here. That's what we got a producer for. He'll tell us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, he was just uh, noticing that it was uh, Ray Mysterio flipping the uh, coin before the uh, before the game there. So uh, we got that that happening. Um, I was trying to see. I think Juan Soto is at the plate and uh, see if. Uh, it was Chelsea. See, there we go. There we go. Club America. Well, I, I drive past the giant Roomba that is Allegiant Stadium every time I come downtown. So, uh, Juan Soto grounded out. By the way, mm. first pitch ground out. I guess he didn't want to walk that time. Bum. 
What a oh, up six to one, I guess he, he didn't couple, feel like stand there to take a walk. Couple walks and a ground out for Juan Soto in his uh, Padres debut. We will head to San Diego at nine o'clock. By the way, they just showed. I don't know where the hell they're playing this game. Uh, have you ever been to a European soccer game? No, but it seems fun. This is at SoFi. Looked like it was on fire. <laughs> it were, it were, <laughs> the one I went to one soccer game uh in uh in milan and it was i was like 14 so it was like 20 years ago um and they were just shooting off flares it was it's a spectacle to see i wish you know it's one of those things where you go back you think about it you're like man i wish i fully kind of embraced it i didn't know what the hell i was going to the group i was with like yeah we're going to a soccer game i was like soccer lame and then you're there and you realize oh yeah this is this is the real deal my bucket list item is to go to the Alley Pally and go see the World Darts Championship, which takes place between Christmas and, and then carries over into the new year. It looks like an absolute blast. A lot Where of Where is that? Uh it's in uh it's in London. Okay. But it's um there are pitchers of beer as far as the eye can see. Big long tables, looks like just a beer hall where you watch people throw darts. That sounds good. Sounds like looks like a party. People dress up in costume and everything. I did go to um a bar in London. It was a uh, it was a uh, Celtic bar, and they were playing in I think the Champions League quarterfinals. They lost, so it wasn't uh, wasn't was it a Shamrock? I can't remember. Great story, Tim. Uh, but <laughs> had to be there. It was a good yeah. Had to be there. Good times. Good times had by all. Uh, six to one. Padres leading the Rockies in the top of the fifth inning uh, here tonight. As uh, the new era of Padres baseball, as mentioned, we will head to San Diego uh, at the top of the next hour. Uh, check in with John Schaefer from Extra 1360, friend of mine who I believe is on hand tonight. So we'll see if he could find a quiet uh, corner uh, to chat with us there uh, with uh, Juan Soto and uh, Josh Bell and Brandon Drury making their debuts as San Diego Padres. All right, we're going to continue our summer conditioning here with the New York Jets. And Adam, you know, this is one of those teams, and if I still played Madden and didn't have a you know kid at home, um, I think the Jets would be a team that a lot of people would like on Madden. It's a lot of young, uh, exciting players, notable names if you're a college football fan. Um, so Garrett Wilson there, a first-round pick, you know, wide receiver we talked about, uh, you know, offensive rookie of the year earlier tonight. Uh, you look at some of his his uh, props for the for the season. Seven hundred and forty nine and a half is his over under three and a half receiving yards or three and a half receiving touchdowns. Excuse me, Elijah Moore eight hundred receiving yards, sixty four and a half receptions, and four and a half receiving touchdowns. And then Brees Hall eight hundred and thirty and a half rushing yards and five and a half rushing touchdowns. You know, for Brees Hall. Um, He's going to be interesting to me because, you know, had, as you mentioned, tremendous collegiate career at Iowa State, uh, was the first running back selected in the draft, high second round pick. So he, he's going to be a guy that gets a ton of touches there uh, in New York, even though they, you know, spent a fourth round pick on Michael Carter out of UNC last year. So we'll start with Brees Hall, 830 rushing yards as a rookie. You're looking at around 50 yards per game. So. Got to stay healthy. Obviously, that's the big caveat. But Brees Hall, when you look at 830, certainly seems achievable, especially 
from the from the sounds of it, he's gonna be the guy, and they're gonna want to showcase him and you know give him a lot of of run. So eight hundred and thirty seems a bit intriguing to me because you don't have to worry about the quarterback play like you would for Garrett Wilson or Elijah Moore. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you know, this was an offense that had a ton of problems last season, but they were still 13th in yards per carry with 4.4. So the running game was pretty decent with Michael Carter, and then they also worked in Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. But this is a team that gave up 504 points last season. The defense was really under duress all year long. They gave up 5.9 yards per play. The best way to fix a bad defense is with a good offense, or at least an offense that controls the football a little bit. So I think that they will look to use Brees Hall extensively here, even though they have all this talent at the wide receiver positions. Then you don't really have to put it on the shoulders of Zach Wilson. And something else I think is, is going to be important to follow here this season. Offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. So he's only 35 years old. But he hadn't really called plays since 2013 when he was the offensive coordinator at Davidson. He was a Division II offensive coordinator at St. Joseph's in Indiana. So he was calling plays for the first time in a long time. Now he's got some more weapons. He's probably a little bit more confident in his playbook. It certainly seems to me like this Jets offense has the chance to get better, and Brees Hall would probably be a big part of that. Yeah, and, and if you're wondering about durability, uh, Brees Hall – I mean, he was the bell cow at Iowa State over his three years. The last two seasons, he had over 500 carries his last two seasons. So you could look at it two ways. He didn't miss a game at Iowa State. However, does the wear and tear at some point catch up to him because he had 718 carries over three years, and you know he was a guy that would catch the ball a little bit, not a ton. He had 50 receptions over his career, but 41 over the last – Two seasons, actually, excuse me. Uh, he had uh, 82. I beg your pardon. I was looking at his touchdowns. He had 50 touchdowns and 41 over his last two years. So, you know, when you think about what the Jets did in the draft, and they went out and they got weapons for uh, Zach Wilson. Garrett Wilson was their uh, second selection. Uh, Sauce Gardner was their first selection. I, I just do think if I'm going to play something, and, and I know there's a lot of people who believe that Zach Wilson will take the next step forward, and I'll read you some of the quotes that uh, some of the uh, you know executives across the league and scouts were saying about Zach Wilson, I, I do think Brees Hall, when you, when you look back at last year, Michael Carter played 14 games, started 11, 147 carries for 639 yards, around 4.5 yards per carry. Brees Hall certainly can, can match that and, and exceed that. So if he's going to be the guy... I think of the you know, the bets that we showed there, over 830 yards would be the route that I would ultimately go, Adam, uh, based off of your point, which is a good one. What's the best way to keep a bad defense off the field? A good offense. You've upgraded on this offensive line. You expect them to take a step forward. And I think Brees Hall is going to be a very important part uh, to this offense this season. Yeah, and also, I mean, Michael Carter is a guy who's 5'8", a little over 200 pounds. Brees Hall is, what, 6'3", 220-ish in that range. So that's also a guy that, you know, when you talk about the rushing touchdowns prop here of 5.5, I don't think he's really losing many goal line carries here with, with the way that this offense is set up. Uh, it looks like he's 6'1", 220. But you know, I think that over 5.5 makes some sense in terms of his rushing touchdowns as well because now you also have the potential with this team of some more explosive plays. You know, we'll see if Zach Wilson's able to get the ball to these guys, but you know, having a Garrett Wilson on one side 
frees up Elijah Moore a little bit. You know, having Garrett Wilson, he's a you know significant player to say the least. And this is a team that just didn't generate a lot of explosive plays in the passing game last year. They have a little bit more opportunity to do that. So you know, to me, I think it's one of those scenarios where you get a big passing play to get you down there, mm -hmm. and then Brees Hall winds up cashing it in for you. Uh, one quote that I'll read uh, if you're wondering about uh, Zach Wilson Zach Wilson has got talent. He has all the physical talent. He is not lacking in any skill set from a tool standpoint. They, had, they have done a good job trying to draft and surround him with people. It's a big year for him to take a leap. It was a bad team last year. He made a lot of mistakes. We will get a better sense after this year. That from a defensive coach in the AFC East. So over-under on interceptions is high for Zach Wilson, but after 9-11 and 11 last year, 9 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, missed a couple games due to injury, uh, there is a reason why 14.5 uh, is, uh, is the interceptions prop there. Much more on the Jets as we continue our summer conditioning. Can they surpass that win total of 5.5? We'll talk to John Yastrzemski from the New York, New York podcast next, right here on the Nightcap. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Keep it rolling here on the Nightcap alongside Adam Burke sitting in for Sean King. I am Tim Murray, and we're continuing our summer conditioning. And I, I, I often laugh to myself just thinking about things random things that are going on in my head. And I'm thinking about, okay, so the Yankees are best team in baseball record-wise. you got the New York Mets. You've got uh, who the hell knows what's going on with the Knicks. You've got uh, plenty of trade rumors with the Nets. And we're going to bring in our next guest, John Yastrzemski, the host of the New York, New York podcast and the Ringer Network. And we're going to talk to him about the Jets. Yeah. I mean, what the hell's wrong with this? New York Rangers look pretty good, too. <laughs> uh, John, always a pleasure, man. Maybe we'll sneak in a Yankee question or two because I know you uh, can't hold back on, on your beloved pinstripes there. But it is summer conditioning, so I want to hit you on a couple uh, Jets uh, thoughts here. Um, you know, what? what is the talk right now? Early couple days of camp. You know, obviously uh, there was some uh, tabloid uh, discussions with the quarterback and uh, maybe some uh, choices that he made uh, in his personal life. Uh, but outside of that, on the football field, what are the expectations of uh, of the QB1, Zach Wilson? Well, I think the expectation, fellas, is that he's going to take a major step forward. First year to second year, having a full command, full grip of what Michael LaFleur is looking to do within his offense. Um, I, I think a lot of Jeff fans, you know, they're solid in the backfield. They've upgraded on the offensive line. They're going to get Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. I, I think a lot of Jeff fans are thinking they're going to make a leap. Now, I would caution those Jeff fans. They're going to be a better team. They're going to be a more competitive team. But you guys know this better than anybody. Their season win total right now is one of the public darlings. Mm -hmm. Everybody and their mother <laughs> hopping in on the Jets over. Oh, they're a better team. Uh, you know, they're going to get a couple more wins, blah, blah, blah. I would be careful with that one. But, yeah, the expectation is that Zach Wilson is not going to look like a deer in the headlights, and he's going to look like an up-and-coming, uh, improved, quality quarterback. That's the idea. 
John, one of the things that we were talking about last segment here with the Jets is you know, trying to protect a pretty bad defense by having a better offense, being able to keep that offense on the field, using Brees Hall quite a bit. And something else that I noticed here, big lack of explosive plays for the Jets last year. Their top two wide receivers, Jamison Crowder, Braxton Berrios, 8.8 and 9.4 yards per reception, respectively. Is this team going to create more explosive plays on offense this season? And if so, you know, is it going to be Wilson? Is it going to be more? Do you think it's Brees Hall? What do you think the focal point is of this offense? Yeah, I look at Elijah Moore. Now, I know they drafted Garrett Wilson, but Elijah Moore had some big games for the Jets before he got injured. He played very well with Joe Flacco. If you go back to the month of November, he had a big game against my beloved Miami Dolphins. Uh, I look at him as the guy that really is going to be the breakout candidate within this offense. I like their rushing attack. You mentioned Hall. I like Michael Carter, who was with them last year. But I think if there's a guy who's going to break out for them and be like that fantasy darling, Elijah Moore is going to be a fantasy darling. What the hell is this Joe Flacco situation going on? Uh, Robert Sala today said, quote, Joe Flacco is a starting quarterback in this league. He's really, really talented. I saw a couple other things floating around Twitter that Flacco's outplaying Zach Wilson. Is, is this just training camp shenanigans? What, what do, do we make anything of this? If you were on WFAN like you were you know, a couple years ago, would you be taking calls on Flacco to take over for Zach Wilson? No, I don't think that's the conversation at all, guys. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, listen, I, and I don't deny that Flacco might be outplaying him. I mean, Flacco's the guy who won a Super Bowl MVP, and if he's not getting hit, he's got the arm, he's got the, the, the prototypical body type that you were looking for out of a quarterback. But um, no, I, no, I, I think that's a whole lot to do about nothing. And all you need to know is that if we are talking at any point about Zach Wilson not starting games for the Jets, other than an injury, that is a big, big problem for the franchise. There's no other way around it. So, no, Coach Stalin, some of the comments that were made, no, so that's a whole lot to do about nothing. John, we talked a lot about the skill position, guys, and, and obviously, you know, this isn't a make-or-break year for Zach Wilson, but he certainly needs to look more competent at the position. What would help is the offensive line improving and, and some of these high-round draft picks kind of playing up to their potential. What are you seeing? What are you hearing about this offensive line and its potential to improve? But it was better last year. It was. Now, it's a low bar for the Jets. They've had one of the worst offensive lines in football over the last couple of years. But it was, it, it was better last year. Um, the key is, okay, how can it progress? How can it get better? And my, my question front and center is Makai Beckton. I mean, he looked like he ate himself out of training camp when I saw pictures of him a couple of weeks ago. This is a guy who was the number one pick a few years back. They need Beckton to play at a high level. If this is going to be... Um, you know, a top 12, top 15 offensive line, they need Becton. Becton cannot be a total stiff at his team. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. We're talking to John Yastrzemski. All right, John, uh, before I slip in a Yankee question or two to you, uh, let's stay in the AFC East, but uh, but go to a team that's uh, near and dear to your heart. You love your Miami Dolphins. Uh, we talked about the Dolphins yesterday. So how are you feeling about Tua? Uh, win total at DraftKings is sitting at nine. They went nine and eight last year. They bring in Mike McDaniel to take over for Brian Flores. Great finish to the season, albeit maybe a, a soft schedule. What are your expectations on the Finns this year? I think it's playoffs a bust for that team. Um, they're bringing everybody back on defense. Now, they're not bringing Brian Flores back. Personnel's the same. 
they should be able to hit the ground running on that side of the ball. Offensively, look, it will take them some time, I think, over about four or six weeks to really grasp the concepts of what Boy Wonder McDaniel's looking to do. But <laughs> the biggest key to this season is not Tyree Kill. It is Teron Armstead. They brought him in to be a premier offensive tackle. If he can do the job and stay on the line for more than 13 games, those receivers are going to make a ton of plays. And it's going to be very easy for Till. When you got Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and Mike Kosicki, you will be very much able to go and get them the football. So my concern with Miami is the, you know, the adjustment period over the first couple of weeks. I think if they can get by that, guys, and survive the first four games of the year, um, they have the makings of a playoff contender in the AFC. I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl contender. I'm not willing to go there. But the Dolphins went 9-8. and eight. They went 10-6 and six to 10-7 and seven two years ago. Uh, I think the Miami Dolphins go to the playoffs this year. I'm going to say they're a 10-win team. All right, there you go. Uh, John's saying uh, the Dolphins are, are uh, a playoff team. Real quickly, uh, over under 5.5. Are you fading the public? Would you say if and I'm not saying, look, we, we do these discussions and we have to preface it. Look, we don't bet all of these, but if I made you bet uh, Jets win total, would you go over or under five and a half? I go under because I think it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest with you, fellas, I, why is everyone and their mother betting the Jets over five and a half wins? Doesn't that seem way too convenient? I do like your phrasing, though, of everybody and their mother with their quarterback being Zach Wilson. I move on. Um, oh, nice. Well yeah, played. I yeah. wasn't even trying. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes no. you don't even realize how funny you are, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why people have to listen in to the New York, New York podcast. All right, we got two minutes, John. Let's hit on your beloved Yankees, your pinstripes there. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, Frankie Montez. Uh, they get Harrison Bader, who's, you know, banged up uh, in a trade that I, I'll be honest, kind of scratching my head about the Jordan Montgomery deal there. But uh, they get F. Ross and they get Trevino. What did you make of the deadline for the Yankees? Were you pleased uh, by the haul that Cashman brought in for the pinstripes? I mean, I was very pleased until they made the Montgomery trade, which was head scratching because now you got to start Jamison, Tyon, and Domingo Herman three, two out of every five days until Severino gets back. But look, they needed a big starter. They got one. Ben Intendi's been ice cold, but he's going to hate. He's too good a player. Um, they added bullpen arms, which they needed in the absence of Michael King. But they need Garrett Cole to be Garrett Cole. That was a rough start today against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, giving up six runs in the first inning is absolutely pathetic. Um, and the Yankees need home field advantage. I think if the Yankees are going to the World Series this year, guys, Houston is the thorn in their side. Houston, I think, is a little better, if we're being perfectly honest. You need every advantage you can get. Yankees need to be playing those games at home. Well, cross town, you got the Mets and, you know, Michael Givens and, and Buck Showalter, they have a familiarity from from their time in Baltimore, but that was really the headliner uh, for the New York Mets, in addition to Jacob DeGrom making his season debut yesterday. So in the final minute, you look at what the Padres did, obviously. You still got the Dodgers. I really like what the Braves did. Uh, do you feel like Mets fans are a little frustrated about their trade deadline? A little bit, more so in the bullpen. Then it comes to the DH spot where Vogelback hit a home run and you have him and you have Ruff, who they got from the San Francisco Giants. I think they'll be okay there. Biggest key for the Mets, though, division holding off the Braves, getting to a World Series. DeGrom joining Scherzer is that one-two punch. Got to take the ball every fifth day and look the part yesterday against the lowly Nationals. I'm curious to see DeGrom Sunday against the big bad Braves. 
All right, we will see that. JJ, always a pleasure, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Guys, anytime. Enjoy it. I'll see you out in Vegas soon. Sounds great. There he is, John Yastrzemski, New York, New York podcast. By the way, fascinating. Jordan Montgomery's first start for the Cardinals this weekend against the New York Yankees on Saturday. Funny how things play out like that. I think Juan Soto's going back to Washington like next week, too. That's Adam Burke. I'm Tim Murray. It's the Nightcap here on VEASAN. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Keep it rolling here on the Nightcap. I was just looking at week zero excitement, college football, UNLV, Idaho State. <laughs> fired up for that one. Yeah, I mean. Nationally televised, baby. <sighs> I, was, I was scouring through those, uh, th- through those games. It's, uh, it's an interesting week. That's, uh, it's, that's certainly, it's something. It is something. Um, you know, week zero, preseason football. Kind of the same thing. We wanted to hit on this, so let's just do it here. Betting preseason football, what is your – because we have a preseason game tomorrow night. The Raiders taking on the Jaguars. Uh, my expectation is, for mo- like most Hall of Fame games, Adam, nobody's going to play. This is so early in the process. Uh, if you liked watching the USFL, you're pretty much going to get those players uh, in this game. Now, later on in the preseason, that's where I think it gets interesting. But you you look at the line, two, two and a half, depending on where you look, uh, in favor of the Raiders, a ridiculously low total. But the preseason is a spot because there's a general thought, you know, oh, whoever bets preseason is a, a degenerate. I mean, okay. But also, there's a lot of angles that are very profitable in the preseason and some of the sharpest bettors out there love betting the preseason. So, Adam, when it comes to you, do you have a particular angle that you look at when it comes to betting the preseason? And is this something that you enjoy dabbling in? Yeah, I think there are a lot of opportunities. And look, I mean, if you're a you know $25 better, the $20 that you win in a preseason game is the same as the $20 you would win in an Alabama-LSU game or something like that. You know, it's all, all the same. So, 
if you can find angles that are out there, it can be a very profitable thing for you. Look, this is the only time of the year when NFL coaches tell you exactly what they are going to do, exactly what they are going to work on, and exactly how long guys are going to play. So I have a list on Twitter of NFL beat writers that I will go through and look and see you know, what they're saying about the upcoming preseason game, how long the first team will be in, how long the second team will be in. You'll see you know, or read you know, bites from the coaches of, well, you know what, we don't really like the way our running game looks here you know, in, in camp. So you know, we're, we're going to make sure we focus on the run in this upcoming game. So I'll bet it under. You know, or maybe I'll fade that team because I know they're just going to run the ball almost regardless of the score. So that's one angle to look at, just kind of reading exactly what the coaches say because they'll tell you what their game plan is going to be. The second is there are some coaches that care a lot more about the preseason than others. John Harbaugh with the Baltimore Ravens has won 20 straight preseason games, <laughs> which is just absurd. But his, his uh, let me j- jump in there real quick. Uh, I believe his. ATS uh, percentage is 71% and 12 and one in week one ATS 40 and 12 straight up in the preseason. (laughs) And and keep in mind the spreads generally don't come into play for preseason games because they all wind up being very low numbers. So usually the team that wins outright is going to cover the spread, but John Harbaugh is a guy really cares about the preseason. Maybe now Sean McDermott cares about the preseason. The bills have won their last seven preseason games. There are other head coaches that you know they either aren't that concerned with the preseason or just you know they they care about it in certain weeks. You know where you'll have a coach that's you know, John Harbaugh, for example, ten and three in week three, seven and five straight up in week four. So when his guys are out there, when they're doing that you know quote unquote dress rehearsal game, that's something that they really pay attention to. Not so much in that final game. Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys, five and eight in the week four preseason game. Now, of course, I know they've gone down to three now with the with the 17-game schedule, but you can find this information out there and see how guys have done week by week, see how they've done over the span of their careers. That's something that it does, I will say, it does get priced into the line. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that John Harbaugh is like the best preseason coach of all time, but, you know, still, I mean, it's maybe priced in a point, maybe a point and a half, something like that. So if you believe that the Ravens really care about a preseason game, they probably do. Aaron Oster, our producer, pointed this quote out today. I think you were talking about it uh, before the show, too. Matt Eberflus, the uh, new head coach of the Bears, who nobody thinks is going to do anything, and I agree. I think they'll be rather bad during the regular season. However, they are a favorite week one against the Kansas City Chiefs. Why? Quote today, the starters will get a good amount of playing time in the first game, and that uh, includes Justin Fields. So... You know, you you look at the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, hell, they played the first seven weeks of the regular season like it was the preseason last year. You think they're coming out week one with, you know, Patrick Mahomes? Yes, Tyreek Hill is gone. You know, firing all over the yard at a, I think it's a noon central start in Chicago on a Saturday. I would look at Chicago week one uh, in the preseason against Kansas City. They're going to be amped up for it. Kansas City is going to be going through the motions. I would guess that none of their main guys, I mean, are you going to see Travis Kelsey out there? Are you going to see Patrick Mahomes outside of maybe one series? He might not even play in week one. Um, So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Pete Carroll, another coach who is very successful in the preseason, 
uh, 36-20 and 20 ATS. They stink, but maybe not in the preseason. They go on the road to Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh's a team in, in a bit flux. They might not be the best team to fade because of the quarterback situation, so their quarterbacks are trying to you know win their job, win a job. But Seattle, you know, Drew Locke is, is certainly not a, a foregone conclusion. He's going to take that job, especially with Geno Smith there. Seattle catching three on the road against Pittsburgh. That could be one to take a look at, you know, week one. Some of these bad teams that we all expect to suck in the regular season, and they might be good ones to follow in the preseason. Well, and here's something for tomorrow night that I I just kind of picked up on here, and I'm sure people smarter than me have picked up on this already. So Josh McDaniels, right? Josh McDaniels is from Barberton, Ohio. They're playing in Canton, Ohio, which is very close to Barberton. Josh McDaniels played his high school football at Canton McKinley. He played here at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium for his high school games. So, look, are the Raiders going to play anybody? I don't know. Probably not. But, you know, McDaniels autonomized the Ohio area, Ohio native, went to John Carroll for college. He's part of that John Carroll uh, coaching and, and front office tree there uh, coming out of the east side of Cleveland. This, I mean, he played his high school football here. Like, his team... They have to be emotionally invested in this game for their head coach, assuming they like the guy, and I don't know why they wouldn't, given that he's a first-year head coach there. So does it mean, is it is it a lock that they're going to win this game and, and cover the two-point spread? No, but I mean it, it's an angle that makes a lot of sense here in a game such as this where they want him to win in front of friends and family and on his high school field. And you know they even talked to him about it today, and, and he called it, you know, said surreal is probably a good word for it. Yeah, and Adam Hill, our good friend over the Las Vegas Review-Journal, wrote an article today that basically said, uh, you know, McDaniels hasn't really tipped his hand one way or the other. Um, And they do have the joint practices with the Patriots, which has become a a really important trend where coaches feel like they can get a lot more out of that than, you know, preseason games. Um, One thing to note, though, Josh McDaniels, in his two preseasons as a head coach, one in three uh, with the Broncos, started 0-2 in each of those years. So I almost feel like maybe this is looking too much into it. I feel like that is maybe he's out to prove something. I mean, he hasn't been a head coach in this league for over a decade. Um, but to your point, I mean, are we going to see Derek Carr? Are we going to see Devontae Adams, uh, Hunter Renfro, who apparently is stingy on Ubers? Are we going to see uh, – are we going to see him uh, making, uh, you know, making these big things? So, um, you know, Derek Carr said, uh, he said, oh, no, I don't care if I play. For me, it doesn't matter. I've played in them. I haven't played. I haven't played in. I've played in them. I haven't played in them. Either way, uh, we'll be ready. So, yeah, they're not really saying much. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. As of right now, I haven't decided if I'll fire. Um, Raiders probably would be the way that I would lean in this one. Um, you know, for Doug Peterson, I'd be curious too when you think about him, right? It, it's been a year. Guys won a Super Bowl. You know, he knows the process. Does he really, especially this game being a Hall of Fame game there, it, it's such a unique spot to be in because it's so early on in the process. You know, they've really not done a whole lot. So, um, yeah. As the preseason goes on, I think there are some good angles. For me, I would say tomorrow, as of right now, Adam, subject to change, 
probably staying away from uh, from this game. But I would lean Raiders. Uh, you've kind of intrigued me there with the Raiders angle of that one. And again, you know, when you're looking at these things, keep in mind, you look at the depth chart. Look at who's going to be playing in the fourth quarter when this game is likely to be decided. You know, Chase Garbers is fourth on the depth chart for the Raiders. Uh, Kyle Slaughter, who's been around forever, it feels like, uh, is on the depth chart for the Jaguars. They also have C.J. Beathard. You know, the Raiders have Nick Mullins. I don't know if he's going to play, but... You know, again, make sure you're looking at the depth chart to see who's actually going to be out there when your bet's being decided. Well, the San Diego Padres have some new uh, members of their team, and they are looking pretty good so far. We'll talk Padres live from San Diego next right here on the Nightcap. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 